Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call. Thank you for standing by. This is the conference operator. Welcome to the Alexco Resource Corp. first quarter conference call and webcast. As a reminder, all participants are in listen-only mode and the conference is being recorded. After the presentation, there will be an opportunity to ask questions. To join the question queue, you may press star, then 1 on your telephone keypad. Should you need assistance during the conference call, you may signal an operator by pressing star and 0. I would now like to turn the conference over to Katina Cordero, Director of Investor Relations. Please go ahead. Good morning. Today is Thursday, May 14, 2020, and I welcome you to the Alexco Resource 2020 First Quarter Conference Call. This call is being webcast live and can be accessed through our website at alexcoresource.com. An archive of the call will be available later today on our website in the Events and Webcast section. Our website also contains our most recent news releases and our financial statements for the quarter ended March 31, 2020. All amounts mentioned today are in Canadian dollars, unless otherwise indicated. Today, our chairman and CEO, Clint Nelman, will discuss our most recent quarterly results. He will be joined by our president, Brad Thrall, and our CFO, Mike Clark, during the question and answer period. Before we start, I remind everyone that some statements made today may constitute forward-looking information within the meaning of applicable securities laws. Past performance discussed today is not indicative of future results, and our business involves a number of risks that could cause results to differ from projections. Investors are encouraged to review the disclosures pertaining to risks that can be found in our most recent regulatory filings available on our website and on CEDAR and EDGAR. I will now leave you with Clint Nelman. Uh, thank you, Katina, and uh, thank you to uh, everybody who's uh, joining us today. Um, I'm going to try and make this an abbreviated uh, discussion or review of the first quarter so that we can move on to the Q&A uh, session to leave plenty of time for that. So in the first quarter, the onset of COVID-19 uh, COVID COVID pandemic and the resulting implementation of measures to protect the health and safety of, of our employees and our communities uh, has clearly taken priority. And as a result, it has slowed our development at Keno Hill during the first quarter, as you would expect. However, in this environment, we're still able, we're still able to achieve several milestones and we remain focused on our overall strategy to move Keno Hill back into production. On the financial and corporate front, um, we reported net income of $12 million in the first quarter, or $0.10 cents per share. The net income comprises an $8 million gain on the sale of Alexco Environmental Group and a non-cash uh, $8.1 million gain on an embedded derivative related to the, to the wheat and precious metal stream, which was offset um, by G&A and, uh, and uh, mine site uh, care maintenance. We finished the quarter with cash and cash equivalents of 22.3 million and net worth and capital of 23.22. Sorry, we had cash and cash equivalents of 22.3 million 
and net working capital of $23.2 million at the end of the quarter. And our restricted cash and deposits ended the period at, uh, with $3.1 million. With respect to the sale of AEG for $13.3 million cash, it's important to note that Alexco retained the ELSA Reclamation and Development Company, which will continue to execute the cleanup of historical mines in the Keno Hill District under its existing contract with the Government of Canada. And we also completed a public offering during the quarter, issuing 4.7 million common shares at $1.85 per share for cash proceeds of 7.8 million. On the operations front, um, we implemented our COVID-19 response and management plan. We suspended underground, with that we suspended, we suspended our underground development plans at Flame and Moth in Birmingham, but we were able to, uh, we do maintain these mines um, and other assets across the district in a development or construction ready mode. During this period, access to Keno Hill has been and continues to be restricted and a strict protocol for incoming staff from outside the Yukon includes a 14-day mandatory quarantine and health assessment prior to entering site. We have a crew of Yukon, Yukon-based crew of employees that are continuing to advance key mill refurbishment and surface capital improvement projects, while the engineering and planning work is being completed remotely by quote-unquote non-essential workers. And during this period, we've also made several key hires and secured long-term lead items, including mine equipment and other capital and structure components uh, that will be deployed across the site. On the exploration front, in early March, we completed a district-wide detailed airborne geophysical program, which was a follow-up uh, from the 2018 and expansion of the 2018 program. Which was, which was particularly successful. And so the results from this most recent program will be used for target generation and ranking for longer term exploration planning in the district. Also, our 2020 surface exploration program has been revised uh, with our uh, revision of plans here. And the commencement of that program is being deferred until mid to late summer. We're hoping in July. The new program will cover at least 4,200 meters of uh, drilling and will focus that uh, at the Birmingham deep target uh, to follow up on the wide high-grade mineralization that we discovered at depth um, last year. On the permitting front, um, it was uh, on February the 19th that we completed the public consultation process for the renewal and expansion of uh, Keno Hills border license in the wake of the uh, uh, COVID-19 crisis, services in the Yukon have been operating at a reduced capacity. However, we're confident that the Yukon Water Board will deliver a decision later this quarter, which should clear the way for us to make a final production decision. And finally, as you all know, the unprecedented fiscal stimulus deployed by governments around the globe to fight off the effects of COVID-19 will, in our opinion, inevitably generate currency devaluation and a flight to hard assets. In this environment, precious metals should do well, and we believe that silver, as is usually the case during crises, will outperform gold in the longer run. We remain focused on restarting Keno Hill and, continued, and to continue generating value for our shareholders. 
As always, I'd like to thank you for your continued support and confidence and look forward to reporting our program progress as we become Canada's only primary silver mine. So with that, that uh, I'd like to open the uh, call to uh, questions. Operator? Thank you. We will now begin the question and answer session. To join the question queue, you may press star, then 1 on your telephone keypad. You will hear a tone acknowledging your request. If you are using a speakerphone, please pick up your handset before pressing any keys. To withdraw your question, please press star, then 2. To join the question queue, please press star, then 1 now. Our first question comes from Jake Skaleski of Roth Capital Partners. Please go ahead. Hey, Clinton team. Thanks for taking my questions, and I hope everybody's well. Are, are you able to detail some of the mill refurbishments you completed during the quarter? Um, I'm just trying to get a handle on how far along you are in the phase one portion of, of the two-phase ramp-up program you've talked about. Yeah, let, uh, I'm let Brad uh, answer that. He's uh, up to speed with uh, everything that's going on on site. Uh, yeah, Jake, um, maybe just uh, by way of background, you know, we, we still do have uh, about 25 to 30 um, employees that are based out of Keno Hill working a, you know, their normal two-week-in, two-week-out rotation. Again, these are all Yukon-based employees. Um, but with respect to the mill, um, you know, most of the focus has been on on two of the bigger projects, which is the, uh, the filter press. Um, and again, this is the um, an additional uh, press to increase our filtering capacity, um, and then the second uh, major project that's that's underway that uh, we're making progress on is our is our concentrate uh, regrind mills. Um, um, in addition to that, we still have the uh, the secondary ball mill. Um, again, that that's on site, but for the most part, um, over the last I guess six to eight weeks, most of the progress has been on the uh, on the filter press and, and the regrind mills. Okay, that's helpful. And I, I guess building off of that, have there been any backlogs in procuring equipment or or any of the long lead items uh, that you might need in the second half of this year? Um, we we did initially see some uh, some delays in some equipment um, from from China um, that uh, um, that that uh, again back in early March. Uh, once this uh, you know the, once the COVID nineteen you know became pretty obvious, uh, but those have since been lifted. Um, and it seems the supply lines have, you know, have kind of opened up since then, so we're not seeing any any delays there. Um, on, on the underground mining equipment, we have secured a couple of uh, a couple of new loaders, underground uh, uh, loaders. Um, and again, uh, we have not seen any, uh, I guess, any delays in the supply chain from those. Okay, that's good to hear. Um, and then just lastly, more of a housekeeping item, is, is the decision to defer exploration more of an internal decision or is exploration restricted by the government right now? No, Jake, and it's totally internal decision. Um, we just thought it was the prudent thing to do. Um, it's uh, it, it, it's uh, you know more efficient if we can launch into that program without these restrictions. That being said, if the restrictions continue, um, we will sequester um, our drill crews on site, and uh, certainly our drill contractors prepared to do that. So it's going to get going here. Um, as I say, it'll be delayed. We're hoping that some of these restrictions are lifted by then, but if they're not, um, we have a plan in place to uh, to mitigate that. 
Okay, so so based on where we are right now, the the go ahead kind of rests with with you right now. Uh, well, no, it's it's well, it's essentially authorized at this point. So um, yeah, our guys are uh, you know um, getting the pieces together um, to launch into that program. We say mid to late summer. We're hoping it's going to be probably in, sometime in July, early August. Okay, perfect. That's all on my end. Thanks again. Our next question comes from Mike Nyhauser of Scarsdale Equities. Please go ahead. Uh, hi, Clint and Brad. Um, just to follow up on that, uh, with the Phase 1, uh, is that uh, – I'm trying to get an idea of what that cost, remaining cost and time to complete that. Uh, is that – we're about 30 days out from completing that, I'm guessing? Uh, uh, yeah, um, you want to take that question? Yeah, no, it's. Uh, I mean, it, 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 there's still a, a couple of key key components, uh, Mike, that we're waiting on on final uh, final delivery. Um, you know, so you know, I, I would say right now the schedule is really driven by um, by the ability of our kind of Yukon-based and you know uh, crews and employees at site to uh, to make progress on the work. So. You know, certainly we could ramp up activities once some of these travel restrictions are are, are lifted. Um, you know, we will not be able to complete all of our, uh, I guess, projects internally without the use of third-party contractors. So, um, again, once we, I, I, I think, uh, make the final decision and some of these travel restrictions are lifted and we're able to bring in third-party contractors, we can complete, you know, those remaining projects you know, certainly within kind of a 60 to, you know, 90-day period. Great. Well, that makes sense. Um, what what would be the remaining cost to complete the Phase 1? Well, again, uh, I, I, mean, I think it's, uh, you know, dependent on, you know, how much of your, your holding cost and sunk cost. I mean, I, I'm sure you appreciate we're not necessarily going about this in the, you know, you know based on the original schedule um, in, in terms of, of, of some of the restrictions and, and, and delay um, that we have here, um, you know, we are putting together some optimization plans, kind of reviewing our mine plans, um, looking at some updated capital costs. Um, I, I think the best answer is that, you know, the cost to um, from from now going forward to, to begin first concentrate production is still pretty consistent with what uh, with what we published in the in the pre feasibility study, um, which is in that you know 18 to 19 million dollar range. To, to, to produce first concentrate, um, but beyond that, I mean, it's a little tougher to, to give you, you know, a lot of detail between phase one, phase two. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, thanks for that. Uh, I, I guess I'm getting at uh, congratulations on how things are going with the public process on the permit. Um, if we're able to get to a positive outcome by the end of this quarter, um, with Current metal prices, exchange rates, uh, smelter charges, um, and where we are in the status of the phase one to phase two, do you think that there's a high degree of um, uh, likelihood that you're going to have everything you need to make a decision? Well, I think that I think, yeah, I'm pretty. We're pretty confident. Um, that once we get that water license, I think that we're, you know, we have, you know, enough of the pieces or, or close to all of the pieces to be able to, to make that decision um, for sure. 
Okay. And uh, uh, moving on, if well, with uh, with what's going on with COVID, and assuming that it stays the same or trends forward, would that um, you know, and you are able to get people to site and contractors and so forth. Uh, would you be able to open up the mine and make a positive mine decision with the current guidance you're getting regarding COVID uh, for um, operating a mine in Yukon? Or is it, are you being held up, do you think, by something that's uh, something locally or federally that they're going to require? Uh, well, maybe I can just give you some context, Mike, in, in terms of what's happening in the Yukon. Um, um, you know, th there have been 11 cases reported in the Yukon, of which 100% of those cases have uh, have recovered. There hasn't been a there hasn't been a single hospitalization uh, yet in in the Yukon. But I think having said that, there the, the biggest I guess um, um, piece that's in place in the Yukon is is the 14-day self-isolation for employees or contractors coming in from outside the Yukon. So. Um, you know, we could certainly, you know, move forward under those conditions, but it, you know, it would be, uh, it would be, you know, certainly costly and more challenging, I believe, in terms of recruitment um, and, and, and just logistics. So, um, I mean, I think that'll be one of the bigger decisions that we'll have in front of us, whether or not those travel self-isolation restrictions are still in place at the time uh, we, we push the go button. Yeah, I, I mean, I... Yeah, I agree with that, Brad. And so, just Mike, just in, in, in case you're also thinking that you know maybe there's um, other protocols in terms of social distancing and other um, precautions that we have to uh, take or reports that we have to make in terms of our operating, um, you know, protocols. Then um, I think that you know, based on my observation, um, you know, up to present. Uh, I think that it's it's I don't think there's going to be too much of a restriction there. Our underground operations are um, for the most part fully mechanized um, and uh, and certainly protocols can be put in place in the processing circuit in the mill to comply with what would you know what could reasonably expect be expected from a you know a federal mandate or or a um, you know, or territorial mandate. You're aware, of course, that there are mines operating at present time in the Yukon. So I think we're pretty comfortable. Um, okay. But like Brad said, it's that travel restriction that's the uh, um, that's the hurdle as far as we're concerned. Got it. Um, with, uh, with Brad, with regards to the ERDC, um, what kind of timing uh, guidance could you give uh, regarding um, the ramp up of work there uh, with revenues margins and how large how large again is the backlog yeah um, in terms of ERDC Mike um, and just by you know stepping back a little bit uh, you know we, we have successfully completed the the environmental assessment uh, stage of, of our closure plan um, so the uh, that plan is now in the in the hands of the uh, of the federal government um, to issue what we call a, a, a decision document, um, we would expect that um, you know certainly within the next uh, I would think 30 days. Um, and once you have that, then you know we still have a water license that has to be uh, um, amended. 
Um, but in the meantime, um, you know, we are, you know, we, we do have approved plans for later this year. Again, dependent on, you know, some of the conversation we've just had with, with uh, some of these travel restrictions and, and, and COVID requirements. There are some, uh, I guess, early remediation projects that are scheduled later this year. But again, most of the heavy lifting starts next year with the construction of the water treatment plants and, and, the, and the valley tailings uh, remediation. And again, you know, that is essentially a, a 65 to $70 million construction project over the first five years, followed by, you know, 30 to $40 million of long-term um, uh, monitoring and operation of water treatment uh, plants. Excellent. Um, the, um, is the, uh, if COVID uh, kind of uh, abates or is under control later this summer, Clint, do you think you might be able to add another drill? Are you, are you prepared and wanting to do that? Or are you pretty much looking at this current cutback program as uh, what we might expect this year? No, not at all. I mean, I think that I certainly feel that, you know, if we, um, you know, get some encouragement um, at Birmingham, I think we're, you know, we would seriously consider, um, you know, putting an additional effort there. So it's a, it's a timing issue. Um, you know, if, if we are successful early, uh, and by early, I would mean, you know, in the August, you know, September type frame, time frame, then we've got lots of time to, to expand that program. Um, if, it, if, if, if we're further delayed, this comes later, then it's less likely we're going to expand that program. So, I mean, what we're trying to sort of impart here is that we're, we're, we're going to get the, at least this 4,400 meters, you know, done at, at Birmingham. Um, and, uh, and, and we're quite prepared to move on from that. It's all a matter of timing and, uh, and success in the early, in the early holes. I, I assume that would be a single rig for that program or is, am I wrong? No, we may run two actually. Um, it's, it's something we're still, you know, we're still, uh, you know, talking about. We, the okay, drills are on site, but it's not a big deal. Very good. Great. Just a matter of people and and all the other hassles you're going to have and be be flexible about. Um, the last question. Um, I was interested that you had a district-wide geophysical program. Uh, the last one I think was limited to Galena Hill, um, right. but I I just would like you to talk about how you're looking at the the scope of the district. I mean that's the first time outside of putting data together over the district, the historic data, you're really looking at a comprehensive look at really a very large land position. And I'm just wondering what the cost, the type of geophysics you're doing, uh, what would you consider a range of outcome and what you'd consider success? Yeah, well, the airborne, I mean, the airborne work is a combination of, you know, mag and, and electrical uh, methods. Where It's a detailed, very detailed uh, airborne program. Um, it's not inexpensive. Um, you know, the initial program uh, over Galena Hill cost us maybe $250,000. The one we've just completed is right around $300,000. Um, and it will provide us with information to allow us to see in detail um, the various geological units um, that are present in the district, and more importantly, 
the detailed offset of those units, which enables us to pinpoint the structures um, that, uh, that and, and, and not only the structures, but also the orientation of them, which is important in the targeting mechanisms that, uh, that we're using. So, um, you know, the Inca discovery from last year came directly from the geophysical work. This year's geophysical work uh, covers, uh, um, you know, basically Flame of Moth and out over Kino Hill. So we're pretty interested in, in what's going to come out of that work. We also did some further work to the to the west, by the way, you know, back towards from uh, back towards uh, Silver King. So um, we're pretty interested to see what's coming out of this work. I mean, it's been very it's it's it's, it's turned out to be quite successful. It certainly makes our exploration a lot more efficient. Um, and, uh, and um, you know, we have high hopes that uh, it's going to be a great targeting mechanism. More importantly, it allows us to look forward in the district and get a ranking of these targets that, um, you know, that we need looking out beyond, you know, the first, you know, five, six, seven years of reserves and resources that we currently have. Well, it um, sounds like there will be no secrets about the district after this. So that should be pretty exciting. When do you expect to wrap that up? Uh, the, the flying's done. My, the, the geophysics is done. We got it done just before lockdown. So um, as it turned out, just by coincidence. So it's, now we're just waiting for the data back uh, from the uh, from the analysts, and uh, it'll take us the balance of the summer to uh, you know stitch together the details that will come to the you know that'll be obvious from that work. Great. Okay. Thank you very much. And. Good luck. I, I know you, you've got your work cut out for you, and um, you guys can do it. Good luck. Thanks, Mike. This concludes the question and answer session. I would like to turn the conference back over to Mr. Nauman for closing remarks. Okay, thank you, uh, operator. Uh, before closing, um, I'd like to remind uh, people and the people that are on this call and shareholders that our annual general meeting um, will be held in a virtual-only format on June the 4th uh, this year at 1.30 Pacific. So all proxies must be received before the, June the 2nd um, at, at the same time, 1.30 p.m. So June the 2nd is, the, uh, um, is when those proxies have to be in. And for instructions to join the meeting and vote your shares, you please visit the investors page at our website at alexcoresource.com. And if you have further questions, please email us at info at alexcoresource.com. And just closing, just in closing, you know, I, I just reiterate that we, we do have a world-class asset here. We're in a tier one jurisdiction. We have some substantial potential to grow our existing mineral resources through continued exploration. Um, and we could also, which could also lead to expanded operations down the road. So I look forward to discussing our progress with you again when we report the second quarter results in August. And until then, thank you, stay safe, and have a good day. Thank you. This concludes today's conference call. You may disconnect your lines. Thank you for participating, and have a pleasant day. Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time.